As a typical Baptist, you're supposed to give a three-point sermon. I think I read that in a book somewhere years ago. So I've got three things I'm going to talk about this morning. Just three. But if we can put these three things into practice, we will be better off, I'll assure you. I was going to start out by having someone said to me that prompts, you need to do something more than just uh, speak. You ought to have some action taking place. And I was going to start out by having... <laughs> well, anyhow, now that my stuff is falling all down the floor... Uh, I was going to have someone crawling on the, front, on the floor, up the wall, someone, one of the youth, desperate for a drink of water, but uh, I didn't do that. So the first topic, the first point is yearning. God gave me these things a couple of weeks ago. Three things, yearning, learning, and turning. Those are what we're going to look at. And yearning is defined as to long for or to desire very strongly for something. Now, I do a lot of yearning. I don't know about you. As we were saying this morning, someone prayed this morning, that we would see this church full, that this church would be used. Well, I had another dream last night. I don't have many dreams, but the scriptures say old men will have dreams. So I certainly come from the first section. But I had a dream last night that I was talking to Ken Methurst, and we were ha- he was handing in some keys. He said his time was over. And we looked back, and this church was full of young people praising God. And that's the second time I've had that type of dream. So I'm hoping that we'll soon see it. I'm yearning to see God move in this church and in this town to bring glory to his name. I'm learning every day, I'm yearning to know God better. As one of his children, I want to know my father. And I'm sure you do too. I long to know the purposes of God has for my life. Am I fulfilling what he put me on this planet for? We're here for a reason. And a good reason. God is a good God and he brought us here. I'm longing for the Holy Spirit to empower my life each day. How can we live without the Holy Spirit empowering us as Christians? We can't. I long, and this is a good one. I'm sure most of you do this too. I long for the ability to say no to my flesh when it rises up. I wish my flesh wouldn't rise up because it causes me real agony. I'm longing for relief from my ringing ears. And I'm sure many of you are suffering of some way or another. And I would love to have the ringing stop. You know, 24 hours a day, ever since I had my first flu and COVID injection, they've been ringing. And I wish I could say they're ringing praise to God. And sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with them ringing, and I do praise God. I get up and read his word. I said, okay, you woke me up. I'm going to get up and do something about it. Longing, longing. And in Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6, we, say, we learn that if we trust in God wholeheartedly and submit to him, 
He will show us which path to take. Even that path is in Orpington where we go over so many potholes, we wonder if our tires are going to survive. The twists and turns that we don't understand, we have got to realize that if we trust God wholeheartedly and submit to him wholeheartedly, he will lead us on the path that he wants, even though there's struggles. We're going to see in a minute some struggles. Now, in the Bible, praise God, we've got a Bible to read. In the Bible, we have got many examples of people struggling to stay on the right path. And so I just want to listen to read Psalm 13. And I wonder if you can identify with any of this. This is reading in the New Living Standard Bible. This is a psalm of, of David, King David. And he says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing of the Lord because he is good. I love that bit. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. He's saying that in faith. He's not rescued yet. But he has a faith in God, that God will rescue him. And these words, by the way, this person who's saying these words, according to Acts 13, 22, God identifies him as a man after my own heart. This is a godly man. And he's struggling. Like many of us do. We struggle. Here's another one I want to read of. So here was a godly man struggling, and here is a worship leader, like our worship leader. I'm sure that if you spoke to our worship leader, he says occasionally he has a few struggles. Like the rest of them. Listen to what Asaph had to say. I'm not going to read the whole song, but just read a few verses of it. He says, I cry out to God. Yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with my hands lifted towards heaven. But my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. And it goes on, but then we get to verse 11. But then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stink, stop thinking about your mighty works. 
So if you're in a state, but David was in, or Asaph was in, no matter how hard it may seem, we have to do what these two did. And the end, David learned he had to trust in God's loving care, regardless of your situation. And then Asaph had to remember, we need to remember God's faithfulness in the path. You know, sometimes it's right to look in the rear view mirror on our travels to see God was faithful then. He's promised never to leave me or forsake me. He was faithful then. Is he going to change now, even though I can't see what's going on? What about Jesus? Did he have any longings when he was on the cross? That was not a pleasant path for him to be in. He felt forsaken by God. You know, in the scriptures, there's only one time he refers to God as God instead of Father. And that's when he was on the cross. But he stayed there. This path was not pleasant for him, but he stayed there because that was God's will. And can't we praise him that he stayed on the path? The scriptures say he could have called down angels and gotten off the cross. But he stayed on that path of struggling because he was doing the will of God. And he was doing it for us. The scripture says, for the joy that was set before him, he stayed on that path. What about God, the Father? Does he ever learn for anything? Does he ever long for anything? I asked myself that question this week, and I started looking at some of the scriptures. And listen to this. If you don't, I want to see if you can get the idea that God sometimes yearns and longs for. In Deuteronomy 5.28, this is when the people, when, when Moses was going up to the mountain, the people said, go up to the mountain and hear what God has to say. We've seen the fire. We've seen it. We're scared to go up there. You go up there and see what he has to say. <clears throat> so they asked Moses to go up to the mountain to hear what God to say. They said they would listen and obey whatever God said. So God, Moses went up the mountain, and God says, this is what he says, I have heard what the people said to you. Everything they said was good. Now listen to this. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments so that it might go well with them and their children forever. That sounds like a bit of longing on his heart. These people would listen. And look at Isaiah 30, verse 18. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible here. It says, The Lord earnestly waits, expecting, looking, longing to be gracious to you. And he goes on to say, Blessed are those who earnestly wait for him, who expect, look, and long for him. And it expands that longing. It says, for his victory, for his favor, for his love, for his peace, for his joy, for his matchless, unbroken companionship. Do we long for that? He wants us to long for that. He's longing to give us those qualities. His victory, his faith, his love, his peace, his joy, his matchless, 
unbroken companionship. God longs to have a relationship with us. However, he's a holy God. And he cannot tolerate sin. But because he longs so much, because he loves us so much, he took away the sin barrier 2,000 years ago. He sent Jesus, his only begotten son, to pay the price for our sins, to remove that sin barrier so that we could have that relationship with him that he wants. Not only for today, but for eternity. What a wonderful promise. However, we have to play our part, don't we? And this is where it gets difficult. We have to take ownership of our sins. We have to confess them to the Lord. We have to repent and change our actions. And repenting makes, means a 180-degree turn. Not a 45-degree turn. Not a 90-degree turn. 180. Turn completely around. If we only turn away 45%, that means we've got quite a few bits of self can still get in there. We can still hang on to those. So that's the first thing. Do you have the yearning for all that God has for us? That's a start. That's what we need. God looks into our heart and he sees what's in our heart. He sees we have that yearning to be the people he's designed us to be when he brought us into this world. I've got a few minutes left. The second point, learning. And Wikipedia defines learning as a process of acquiring new understanding. Uh, and we're encouraged by many scriptures on wanting to learn. And I'm going to look at a couple of them. And I want you to listen. I'm going to read this. This is from Proverbs 8, verse 32. Someone's phone's going. Okay, Aunt Don, no problem. This is what he says in Proverbs 8, 32. And so, my children, listen to me. For all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instructions and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates, waiting for my outside my home. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. Now that's... Three rewards for learning there. Joy, wisdom, maybe four. Joy, wisdom, life, and favor. That sounds pretty good to me. If you could get all those things, wouldn't you want to learn more about God? Listen to what David says in Psalm 19, verse 7. This is super. This is super. I wish I could remember these. I have to read them. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. I love Chuck Swindoll's thing on the, on the radio. 
It's called Insight for Living. And I've been listening to him for over 40 years, trying to get Insight for Living. Insight for Living. And then the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. I was so blessed by David's sermon last Sunday morning when he was instructing the young people how to read and study their Bible. He even had them writing things on their Bible. Does any of you write things, little notes on your Bible? Yes. I see some nods there. I do because my memory's so bad I can't remember it all. So I write it down, highlight it, underline it. Read it in a few weeks' time again and say, yes, that's what I was learning then. I can remember. <clears throat> we need to keep learning more and more about what God has to say in his word. That's our book for life, isn't it? That's a, as they were saying, was it yesterday? The chap was speaking last night. At, the guy who was speaking at the end, I can't remember his, his name now, uh, Rich, Richie? Rico. Right, that's him. <laughs> but where he was holding up the king, these, the riches that King Charles has got compares to nothing as the riches we have in the Word of God. And we need to read the Word of God. I'll tell you, one of the things I was yearning for as I saw that last night, that every person in that auditorium and every person was listening on, on, the, on the waves would take note of the fact that this is more powerful than any king or any riches that we could ever want. It's a living word. It's not a dead word. I will never forget when it came alive to me. I used to read the Word of God years ago out of religious practices. I was told by my mom, if you read the Word of God, it's going to help you. So I'd read the Word of God. I read it, I read it, read it. Then I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. Then I said, well, come into my life. I want to know more. And the Word became alive. I got a little bit excited about it. Can you imagine an American getting excited about something? I was so excited that my parents thought perhaps I needed a trip to the psychiatric ward. It changed my life. And it still does. You know, if I only had one thing to take with me for life, I had to go on a desert island. That's what I want to take. I used to want to take music, but no, that's what I want to take. I used to like to listen to Gordon Lightfoot, one of my favorite, but he's died now, so this is what I'll do. <laughs> <clears throat> right. So there we are, yearning and learning. Yearning and learning will cause us to want to be turning. <laughs> turning means making a change. Turning back to God is mentioned in the Bible. I listen to David. You know, we listen to these people. Listen to what he said in Psalm 119, verse 59. And I wonder if you can identify with this. 119, 59. I pondered the direction of my life. And I turned 
to follow your laws. Your laws. I will hurry without delay to obey your commandments. Now, turning back to God's ways requires more than good works. Good words. You know, like the New Year's resolution, we make re- New Year's reservation. What do you say? That's whatever it is. We say that. Resolutions, that's it. <laughs> it could be revelations as well, but revolution. We want to change. And, you know, we can say the same to God, can't we? But we have, according to Ephesians 2, three things that would resist us to overcome. Resist us from turning to following God. Three things, and we all have these things. The first one is the ways of the world. We can be changed into the ways of the world if we listen and read too much of the world, listen and read more of the word world than we do of the word. Satan, he's alive and he's active. And I don't know whether you have problems with Satan tormenting you. He certainly does me. And whenever I'm asked to preach a sermon, I go through hell because he's after me, condemning me, saying I'm useless, saying I can't do it. Then I'm glad I know the scriptures. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as long as I'm doing what he wants me to do. Praise God. So it takes more than words. And then the last thing of the three, the world, Satan, and our flesh life. I've mentioned it before. The old man wants to come up. Now my name is called New Man. And I have to remind myself I am a new man. I'm not that old man anymore. I might be old, but I'm not old man. So, in Psalm 80, our worship leader Asaph calls out to God. Do you know he calls out in Psalm 80 three times. He says the word three times. Turn us again to yourself, O God. Make your face shine upon us. Do you know we need to pray that, don't we? Lord, turn us again as a nation, as a people. Turn us back to you. You want so much to bless us, but he can't do it while we're going with the world or we're following the, Satan's devices. If we're following him, that's how he wants to do us. So three questions I want to propose this morning for all of us to think about. And only you can answer these questions yourself. First of all, are you longing for something more than you've got now? <clears throat> Do you feel like you're in a tunnel? You know, one of the things that I longed for years ago was to get out of a cave. I was down in, with Joan and the children down in a tin, tin mine in Cornwall. I don't know about you, I don't like to be in enclosed spaces. So we went into this 10 mile, 10 mile, taking the children. And uh, I felt like, this is it. And the blooming lights went out. And I was in darkness. And you know what I did? I told Anna, Anna, 
you've got to go to the toilet. Grabbed my hand, and I worked my way through all the path of all the people standing there, so excited. When I got out of the barn, I had to go to the toilet. <laughs> you know, I don't like it. So you may feel like you're in a tunnel somewhere. You may feel like you're just smothered with life, bearing down on you. I would say, long for what God wants to give you. That's the question. Are you longing for something more than your life? Second one, are you willing to learn what God has to say about your life? You know? Learning doesn't come by just sitting in a classroom. Learning doesn't come by hearing a sermon. Learning comes by listening to what is being said and taking action on what it says. So are you willing to learn what God has to say to you about life? And then, are you willing to turn to him? If you've never turned to him, turn to him now. But if you turned to him before and you've turned away, turn back to him today. Don't let it delay. Turn back to him. Now, recently, we've heard of a revival or an awakening taking place in America. I don't know if you've seen it on the news, on the telly. It's fantastic. And there's a chap I often listen to called Dr. Ed Young Sr., and he's a senior pastor at Second Baptist Church in Houston, Texas. So he's a Baptist. Okay. He said, this week, I was listening, many people are turning to God in our church. There are many, many being baptized every month. Up to 100 people every month. And he described revival as Christians coming alive. And what came to me as I was reading it, it's like David says, restore the sparkle to my life, to my eyes. Restore it, Lord. I had it once, it's gone. I want it back. Restore it to me. That's called revival. Christians coming alive. And then he describes awakening as those who do not know Christ, but they're turning to God. And my prayer, and our prayer is, oh, Lord, help us to turn back to you. Cause us to turn back. You know, sometimes the difficult times in life, when you get desperate, is when you turn the most. Like that song, going through the paths, turning, twisting, turning. If it was straight, we wouldn't have the faith. We wouldn't call on God because we could do it on our own. But when we're facing the struggles in life, Turn back to God. He wants so much to take us forward as a body here. He wants us to be united. He wants us to pray for one another, to love one another. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy that wants us to accuse one another and grumble about one another. These things don't make God happy, folks. Our self-life would bring these things to our mind. We have to crucify self daily. We have to praise God that the life he's given us. And we have to pray for one another because we all have those struggles, those three things that I mentioned that would try to hold us back from following God. So I don't know where you are this morning, 
but I hope and pray. If there's some turning that needs to be made, make that turn. And if you need someone to hold your hand to help you turn, come up forward and we'll hold your hand and pray with you. And we'll turn with you. Praise God. Bless his word. Learn his word. Yearn for his word. Learn his word. And turn to him this morning. Amen.